Amén. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a, with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. We're in uh, the middle of a series on prayer. Um, often what we will do here at Trinity South Coast is read through a whole book of the Bible together uh, and sort of go one, one bit to the next. Uh, this time we're doing something a bit different over these few weeks. We're focusing in on a particular issue, a particular topic, a part of the Christian life, which is prayer. And we're trying to see um, how the whole story of the Bible, how the good news of Jesus shapes how we understand what, this, what, what, what prayer is all about. And we all will come to this with different um, backgrounds and different experiences. Uh, some of us will come uh, with real confusion about prayer. Um, others uh, with a long history of um, uh, being immersed in, in prayer. Um, uh, but we're, what we're going to do today is uh, we're in our third week of this series. Uh, and we're going to think uh, about, well, in, a, in a moment I'll, I'll give you an overview of the whole series. Um, actually, why don't we do that now? Can we have the, um, that slide up on the screen? Uh, the first week we looked at the bookends of the Bible's story, creation and new creation. You were created for a relationship with God. We, everyone was. Uh, we were created for it and we will be restored to it, a face-to-face, -face, intimate relationship with the one who made you. Last week we looked, though, at the story of how humanity has, uh, has fallen, has rejected God, has, you know, in our own pride, turned away from God and cut ourselves off from that relationship. Um, this week we're going to think about that central part of it, well, the difference that Jesus makes and, and the good news about him that has come to us. Over the next couple of weeks we're going to be thinking about um, a, what prayer looks like in the light of all these things. And we're going to use particularly uh, the Lord's Prayer, if you're familiar with that. It's a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. We're going to look at that over two weeks and see how that draws together 
um, a whole lot of different threads that run through the whole Bible and that can really help us in our own prayers. So that's, that's the series we're in. But um, this week we're going to think a little bit about perfection and restlessness and the search for perfection. Um, this is a really common theme through uh, different kind of worldviews, different religions. Um, uh, it can be a, a cause for real restlessness and, and anxiety. Um, and different religions will have their own kind of uh, rules for this or guidelines or things that you have to follow. Islam has five daily prayers that are governed by strict rules. Um, uh, Buddhism has, uh, you kneel before a, a shrine and you chant kind of mantras over and over again. Uh, in Hinduism, there's this real quest for enlightenment and un- union with the divine. Um, in all these different kind of areas, prayer is seen as this kind of way to achieve spiritual progress, um, to achieve a kind of inner peace or uh, to achieve some kind of change like that. Uh, this search for perfection in prayer can show itself in uh, Christian traditions as well. Um, and not just in broader traditions, but just kind of in our own struggles with this. If only we prayed, if only we prayed in this kind of a way. Uh, if only we prayed with this kind of a prayer meeting or this kind, in, with these words, then God would act like we want him to. Uh, if only we prayed in the right kind of way, we would reach a particular kind of spiritual experience. We'd, we'd achieve that kind of union with God. Um, well, what we're going to look at today is something that uh, is both... Um, is, is both kind of a little bit depressing in the light of that, but actually, once we journey through it, far more wonderful, far more wonderful. Um, we looked last week at this tragic reality of, of sin, of the way in which our hearts uh, turn away from the God who made us and turn in on ourselves. This is a sobering and humbling claim that the Bible makes, our hearts are so fundamentally disordered and self-centered that all our attempts to achieve perfection, our efforts to climb the ladder and to reach God, um, the Bible's message is that actually they are all doomed to fail from the outset. And we saw that last week. Left to ourselves, we kind of saw the human condition played itself out in the story of Israel, if you remember last week, that, that in, in our pride we seek independence from God rather than humbly trusting him. We, uh, there was that really strong image last week in the Old Testament of God's people, or uh, not really God's people, uh, the people from the people of Israel who, who uh, had turned away from the spring of living water. It was right there for them. And they turned away from that and tried to dig their own broken, muddy cisterns that didn't really hold water. Um, we cut ourselves off from life by doing that. We turn away from the spring of life and we turn to other things to try and satisfy us, but they don't. That way has no future and it rightly sits under God's judgment. Now, the message of Jesus reveals uncomfortable truths about ourselves. We won't rehearse all of last week, so I encourage you to listen to that again um, if you weren't here. It does reveal uncomfortable truths about ourselves uh, and critiques our humanity's effort to climb that ladder to reach God in our own steam. 
We can't do it. It's uncomfortable and sobering truth, but at the same time, it is a stunning and wonderful good news that the gospel brings. What we couldn't do for ourselves, what we could never do for ourselves, God has done for us. We don't climb the ladder, God has come down to us. Uh, And he gives it to us as a free gift when we put our trust in Jesus. There's no better place to see that than in Ephesians 1 that we had read for us before. This stunning picture of this reality that what we could never do on our own, God has done for us and gives to us freely through Christ. Uh, You see this one God who is Trinity, Father, Son and Spirit throughout this passage. Uh, Three persons who are eternally united in love. This God has brought about this incredible reversal from last week, sitting in the dust digging our broken cisterns, and rejecting God, cut off from him, to this week, this incredible, what does it say? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We've gone from those who, because of our sin, are cut off from God, to those who, in verse 3 there, have every spiritual blessing poured out on us everything how has that come about well, I, want to, I just want to pull out a few things from this passage and then we're going to see how this all relates to prayer uh, very quickly uh, and then we'll kind of go over them again a bit slower how is this, do you just notice a few things notice that it's all from God the Father um, sometimes Christians you might have heard Christians talk in this way can speak of uh, almost as if God is kind of Um, a bit of a narky, nasty, kind of distant person, and Jesus saves us from him. That's not what's going on here at all. Uh, It is the Father that has brought this about. God the Father has blessed us in Christ. It's all his plan and purpose from before creation. It's all from God the Father. And you notice as we read through, it's all done through God the Son, Jesus. In verse 7, there in Ephesians verse 7, In him, that's in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. This incredible reversal has come out. It's it's from God the Father. It's all done through God the Son, through Jesus' death in our place. And it's all done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do You see that down in verse 13 and 14. God's own personal power and presence within us. Uh, Paul calls the Spirit uh, like a seal over us, protecting us, guarding us, guaranteeing what is to, uh, the hope of the gospel that is to come. All of this has come from God, through God the, God the Father, from God the Father, through God the Son, and all through the power of God the Holy Spirit. And one more thing just to point out quickly. Do you notice how, how we access this? How is it that we, this becomes real for us? It's all received by faith alone. You see that in verse 13. Verse 13. You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, you were marked with a seal. See what's going on there? 
how, do, how does this incredible reversal come home to us personally? We hear the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and we believe it. This all comes about through faith and faith alone, trusting ourselves to God. And then in verse, uh, do you see what this means in verse 5? We're sort of jumping back up. In love, God predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. We have been adopted to sonship through Jesus Christ. Well, it's all, they're wonderful big things. And if, um, I might use this mic. Is that going to be better? I need to shave my beard or get something on the end of this to stop it from prickling. How's that? What's, uh, what, these are all wonderful big things, but what's it got to do with prayer? As it turns out, it has everything to do with prayer. Uh, what we're going to see today is a really striking claim, a huge claim. Um, if, you, if your faith is in Jesus, if your faith is in Jesus, then you are already a great prayer. Uh, you probably don't feel like it, but it's true. It's a huge claim, but we can make it confidently, not, not because of ourselves, but because of the perfect prayer we are now united to by faith. You see, Jesus, Jesus is the one who perfectly lives in eternal, loving relationship with his Father. Jesus is the one who on earth lived a life of complete dependence on his Father and expressed that through prayer. If your faith is in him, uh, there's this repeated phrase through Ephesians 1. Did you pick it up as we read it? What's the key kind of reality? There's this repeated phrase, in him or in Christ. If your faith is in him, then you are in him. And what's true of him is true of you. All of the riches of Jesus' relationship to God the Father are yours if your faith is in him, if you are united to him by faith. Not because of you, uh, not because of you, but because of Jesus, because his blood covers you and you are now in him. So we're going to look at three things that we can know, uh, three realities that are true, that are true regardless of how we feel if our faith is in Christ. Uh, and that will, as we receive them, these three realities, um, will actually transform us. Um, the, the headings in your outline there, they're all, I've just ripped these off basically from a fantastic book that's for sale out in the bookstore book called You Can Pray. It's by someone called Tim Chester. I highly recommend that book. Um, uh, that's a really fantastic summary of really all the things that, or no, this is talk is a summary of all the things that book talks about, really. Uh, but I'd re highly recommend that. It's called You Can Pray. But three things. That in the, in the book, uh, Tim Chester, who's the author, points out, but really that just come from these realities we're, we're talking about. What does it mean to be perfect in prayer? <laughs> well, it's not about us, it's about him. The first point is that the Father loves to hear his children. 
Um, you, might, you might be familiar with this picture. There's a picture that's coming up on the screen. Uh, has anyone seen this before? Yeah, a few people have. Um, it's a really famous picture. I love it because uh, there's this real kind of um, clash, right, of, of your expectations. You've got there JFK, John F. Kennedy, uh, the President of the United States, most powerful man in the world. Um, it has all these levels of restriction before you can access him. None of us, you know, no ordinary people can get close to him. Um, and, there, and yet there, under what's called the Resolute Desk, under that, you see John F. Kennedy Jr. Um, playing around at his dad's feet, poking through a hole in the desk. Apparently the, there was originally a hole there, but one of the presidents, Roosevelt maybe, um, had braces on his legs and he, he wanted a door put over so he could, uh, he could cover that. But anyway, it was, made a good hidey hole for JFK Jr. Um, it's a beautiful image, isn't it? Because what it represents is, because he's JFK's son, he gets, he gets immediate access. He doesn't have to go through all the security checks. He gets immediate access. He gets to play at his dad's feet and he gets to ask him whatever he wants. Well, if that's true for JFK and JFK Jr., how much more for God who is the perfect father? Jesus talks about this in Luke 11. Words will come up on the screen. Uh, he, he's talking about how to pray here. Um, he gives a version of the Lord's Prayer, which you can, we'll focus more on next week. Um, but afterwards, uh, he says this, he, 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 he encourages his disciples, he tells his disciples to pray to God as their father, which again, next week we'll think more about that. But he says this in verse 9, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Not a lolly snake, you know, an actual snake? No, 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 no one, none of us. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. You can't imagine that, right? Well, if you then, though you are evil, if you know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see what Jesus is saying here? This is an invitation to trust. To trust God as our good, perfect and all-powerful Father who loves to hear his children, who we don't need to go through levels and levels of security clearance before we can come to who we just have immediate access to. Um, we all have different experiences of our earthly fathers and those of us who are dads will know that all dads fail on some level or another. But he is the perfect father who is also the creator of the universe, the ruler of the universe. Prayer is simply a child talking to their father, asking him for help. That's all prayer is. Uh, we, don't, we don't approach a kind of unknowable 
Um, in the kind of mystic traditions and Eastern religions, God is unknowable if is unknowable and distant, an impersonal force uh, who we kind of have to achieve union with through particular experiences or disciplines. Sometimes we can think of like that about God as Christians as well. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God Jesus reveals. He is our Father who loves to hear us. In prayer we talk to our loving Father who holds the world in his hands. So friends, ask him. Trust him. Um, it raises the issue of unanswered prayer, doesn't it? This, this passage, this, what Jesus says here. We're going to hopefully think about that a little bit more in coming weeks. Um, but what we can know from the gospel and from Jesus is that God is both good and powerful. God is both white hot, infinitely good and all-powerful. And he will always give us what we would have asked for if we knew everything he knows. There's much more to say here, and I'm conscious that this is um, tender ground for some of us. But if our good Father isn't giving us what we want, the right question to ask is, well, what is he giving me? What is he giving me? And we had an example of that, didn't we, earlier? Thank you for sharing that, Meredith. God is giving you other good things. Uh, but his greatest gift, you see here in Luke 11 at the end of that passage, his greatest gift, uh, and what, what this passage guarantees he will give all who ask him, uh, is not particular things from him. His greatest gift is actually himself. He gives himself. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God... When we, when we come to pray, through Jesus, God is our Father who loves to hear us. That's the first thing. Uh, let's keep moving on, though. There's more. Um, what is perfection in prayer? Well, we have a perfect Father. Um, there's also the perfect Son. The Son makes every prayer pleasing to God. You can see that on your outline, that second point there. Uh, we're united to Christ, as we saw in Ephesians. When we trust in Jesus, we're, it's like we're bound to him. Everything that's, he takes all of our junk, he takes all of our sin, wipes it away, uh, and we get all of his riches, all of his, all of his glory, um, his relationship to the Father. Gospel prayer is not trying to achieve union with God. That's not what prayer is about, going through, kind of working our way up through stages. It's actually the opposite of that. We are already united to God through Jesus fully and wonderfully, perfectly. Um, union with God is not the goal of prayer, it's the foundation of prayer. Uh, it's a gift that is already given in Christ. Um, so what that means is this incredible, and uh, again, I'd encourage you to pick up that book out there as it goes through this, this incredible reality that in Jesus, every prayer is perfectly pleasing to God our Father. Not because of us, not because we say the right words in the right order, um, but because of Christ. Our prayers are good enough because Christ is good enough. We don't need to be anxious about our access to God. Our access to God our Father is guaranteed 
secure. And also, it doesn't depend on how you're feeling. It doesn't depend on our performance. It depends entirely on Christ. Um, And one of the really powerful parts of the New Testament that reflects on this will come up on the screen is from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 4 says this, "Therefore, Therefore, since we have a great high priest, that's talking about Jesus. The high priest was the one who stood between the people and God. Um, Hebrews has this incredible, uh, paints the, this incredible picture of Jesus as he is now the one who perfectly intercedes between us and God. We have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we pro- profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Listen to this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus means we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence, just like JFK can play at his dad's feet under the resolute desk. Uh, The writer of the Hebrews goes on later in the book, in chapter 10, another reflection on this, and beautiful. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. If you were here two weeks ago, we looked at this, The most holy place was the place in uh, Israel that was off limits. Uh, It was where God chose to um, make his presence most sort of manifest and only one person could go in once a year. It it, it sort of screamed out, God is holy and you are not. And you have to approach me through this series of sacrifices. Well, the writer of the Hebrews writes, we... So you can, you can sense what a shock this is then. We, all of us, all through, through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, have confidence to enter the most holy place by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. There's lots in there, but do you see what's going on? Jesus himself has paved the way. He has entered. Um, he has opened up a new and living way. And through you being united to him, we are brought into that reality. We are bound to him. That's why we can pray. The Son makes every prayer pleasing to God. Just lastly then, um, what about the Spirit? Everything we've talked about is kind of... A, a re, an objective, true reality if we re, receive the gospel. Through Jesus, God is your Father. He really is. It doesn't depend on how you feel about it. Uh, if you're trusting in him, in, in Christ, then that's true. 
Um, your sins are completely forgiven. You are adopted into Jesus's, into God's family. They're kind of out there objective truths that uh, are true of you if you have put your faith in Jesus. But what about our experience of that reality? Not just the truths out there, but how we kind of experience that and receive that. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Uh, again, in the book I mentioned before, it uses this example. It's kind of like... Um, I don't know if you do this. Uh, if you need to call someone who you don't really know, who's a bit of a stranger, um, I'm a bit like this sometimes. You can just put it off and off and off and kind of you delay it till the last minute. You don't want to, you know, it's kind of, uh, you might be a bit um, a, a phobic of uh, cold calling. You're not sure how the rea- what reaction you're going to get. The connection's there. It's, it's reliable and the person's on the other end of the phone. But it's kind of you can be reluctant to actually pick up the phone and dial in. Um, It doesn't say everything about prayer, but prayer is a little bit like that. Uh, God is there; He's on the other end of the end of the line. He's waiting. Uh, Jesus perfectly connects you to the Father, and that connection is totally reliable and trustworthy. Uh, But so long as you think of God as a stranger, as someone who's distant from you. Uh, you'll have that reluctance to pick up the phone <laughs> and get through to him. And this is where God helps us by his spirit. We're gonna, this will be our last part of the Bible from Romans 8 today. This beautiful chapter of the Bible and wonderful reflection. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. If you're a Christian, then at some point you've had that experience. Your your salvation is not based on your experience. It's based completely on Christ alone. Um, But to be a Christian is not just to know about God, but to know God through Christ. To hear the gospel of Jesus and you yourself, to entrust yourself to that. And to rest in God's word that declares you to be his child. And when you do that, when you do that, that can only happen by God's spirit at work in your heart, in your life. The spirit confirming in our hearts that God's not a stranger on the other end of the phone line. He is our Father. And that's what drives us to prayer. He's our Father who helps us, and he also helps us when we don't know how to pray. Just quickly at the end of Romans 8, many of you will know this passage. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. There's lots in there, but at its heart, this is an incredible comfort. Prayer is not about performance. It is all based in the grace of God to us as our Father. And it flows out of that. It's all made possible by the blood of Jesus shed for us and in our place.
It's all made possible because we are adopted by that, through that blood, by that grace, into his family. And it's all empowered in the present by God's very real personal presence in your life. Helping you. Even praying for you. Did you notice that in that last verse? Even praying for you in those moments when you just have no words, when you are overwhelmed, when you don't know what to pray. This is incredible comfort. As I mentioned, over the next two weeks, what we're going to do is to focus in on the Lord's Prayer and see how that kind of helps us think about the priorities of gospel-shaped prayer, what it might look like to pray. It would be a shame, though, to um, enter into that without having these things in place first. Um, We don't pray the Lord's Prayer as a kind of rote exercise. Um, It reveals to us deep realities about what God is on about in the world. Um, In the same way, though, um, uh, similar to how Christians have prayed the Lord's Prayer, Christians have always prayed with a particular shape. Uh, We've prayed to the Father, through the Son, and by the Holy Spirit. And that's really the kind of what we've, the the big picture of today, what we've tried to look at. Uh, That's the normal shape of prayer in the New Testament. There's a few other kind of. Um, examples in there but this isn't a formula it's not kind of just a formula that we're given we have to follow I hope what we can see today after looking at these realities is that it's not a magic set of words it actually reflects deep deep realities of the gospel do you see that God is your father God is your Father, so ask Him. Ask Him. Come to Him. Trust Him. He is your good Father, your perfect Father, the one who has the world in His hands. Jesus is the perfect Son, and we kind of get in on His Sonship through faith in Him. So ask God with boldness because of Jesus. The Spirit opens our hearts to receive the truth that we are God's children. So don't quench his work in you. This is true. So really, all that's left to do is to come now and pray in the light of all of these things.